You're listening to Pole Parlor, a fun, inspiring podcast for all those bewitched by pole dance. Each week, your Madam Crimson Minx has candid conversation with unique, engaging individuals from within and around the pole dance community. Pole Parlor is passionate about preaching creativity, soulful sensuality, and empowerment through pole dance. You know how we do. Welcome everyone to Pole Parlor. This is episode 13, Kelly Maglia. I'm your host, Crimson Minx. On this episode, we have Kelly Maglia. Kelly is an LA-based pole dancer, contortionist, fashion designer, and legit rock star. On this episode, we talk about how she discovered pole dance and how that led to her current obsession with contortion and Chinese pole, designing costumes for pole dancers and what inspired her to create her new get-a-grip line of pole wear, and pursuing her passion for rock music and how she has managed to integrate pole performance into her live shows. Kelly is a rare breed, a passionate artist who has skillfully managed to combine all of her artistic passions into a cohesive, creative, personal brand and career. And just as a reminder, get your tickets now for Parlor Play, a non-pole event for pole dancers happening in Hollywood, California on Friday, May 27, 2016, where we'll be doing mini workshops with past guests Carmine Black and Brian Wolf, along with dance-offs, a costume contest, and free play. All with some pump and jams, an open bar, sinful desserts, a photo booth, and more. Head over to the website at poleparlor.com to learn more and get your tickets. And while you're there, check out Kelly's post-podcast interview on the blog where she shares some of her favorite photos, music, video, and more. And now, here's Kelly. Welcome, Kelly Maglia, to the Pole Parlor Podcast. How are you today? I'm great, Minxie. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, we're so happy to have you here. Let's I'm excited. Yeah. And so, as I always say, let's jump right in. Mm-hmm. So, how long have you been pole dancing and how did you first discover pole? So, I started pole dancing in 2008 and it was completely random. I had gone to a friend's birthday party at Jumbo's Clown Room in Hollywood. And if if people don't know Jumbo's Clown Room, the LA people will know, but it's this amazing little dive bar in East Hollywood where the girls get on the pole. They don't strip, but they perform like crazy. There's some awesome women there. And one of the first women I ever saw there was actually Anne-Marie Davies, whom of course I would later go on to, to be, to learn from and also work with in my shows. But I was at this birthday party having no idea what Jumbo's Clown Room was at all. And I show up and I'm just amazed. There's women hanging upside down. It seems like by their toe on a pole. And I just thought, who doesn't want to, I have to do that. I have to do that right now. And within two weeks I was in classes, I started Googling pole dance studios, which at the time there weren't that many, but there were, there was one that I really, really gravitated toward. And my first pole teacher was Heather West, who now owns Luscious Luscious Maven. Yes. Oh, wow. That's such a fun, yeah. I I call it bikini dancing. Is that, is that what it's called? Bikini pole dancing? Because there's a bunch of places in LA that do that where it's, you know, it's the idea of the strip club where people, you know, throw money and it's very sexy, mm-hmm. but there's right. no 
there's no nudity. So they had to keep their tops on right. and their bottoms on. So, um, right. wow, that's such a cool story. And yeah, a lot of dancers in LA um, that are big in the pool community actually work at Jumbos at night. So Absolutely. Absolutely. It's a great place for them to showcase what they can do. Even though the pole's pretty short, mm-hmm. it's still a wonderful environment to, you know, keep your free dance skill alive and, you know, try out new tricks. And yes. they've even started to hire a lot of contortionists there now, too. So there's there's yes. quite a few dancers there that do contortion. Yeah, it's just like a fun rock and roll place where Anne-Marie Davies, even when she's in town, she lives in New York now, but she will do stints mm-hmm. there when she's in Los Angeles. So. Yes. Um, if anyone's ever visiting, check it out. Jumbo's Clown Room. Uh, yep. Courtney Love used to dance there also. Oh, Did I didn't you know, know that? that. Yeah. No, that's awesome. Pre whole I love that. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Okay, great. Great. <laughs> Some little trivia. So, um, and you mentioned contortion. You also <laughs> do contortion, correct? Yes, I do. I train at Cirque School in Hollywood, which is a great place. They, of course, have more than just contortion there. You can train in aerial silks, you know, hoop, trapeze. I also do straps there as well as Chinese pole. But yes, contortion has become a big part of my life. Yeah. And I would assume that that really helps in your pole skills and your freestyle skills and your floor work, right? Absolutely. I mean, I started taking contortion about three years ago, kind of just out of curiosity, I thought, well, what is contortion? And can I, at this age, train in contortion? It seems a little bit weird, but whatever. I'm just going to go just like I did with pole. I'm just going to go on this odyssey and see it. I've always been pretty flexible, um, you know, and I had trained in ballet and gymnastics as a younger person. So I, I felt confident that I could hang. Um, but I knew that my back flexibility was where I needed the work. That was not something that was natural to me. So I show up to class and I, it's like love at first sight. I loved the pain and the ridiculousness (laughs) of it. I mean, if you've ever watched a contortion class, it's absolutely absurd. And the things that we think are normal now that the girls and I, that we've been training a long time, that we think is normal to a normal person looks absolutely crazy. Freakish. Yeah. Yeah. I've never taken contortion. I should, because I need to work on my flexibility, but that is, um, we've been talking on this podcast a lot recently about cross training and pull. Yeah. Yeah. Last week, um, we well, we've spoken about burlesque, and we spoke with Lux ATL last week about. Taking oh, I love sen- her. I know she's yeah, amazing. she's great. About, yeah, yeah, and how like sensuality classes can help. Um, mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. so now this is just another one to add to your tool belt is contortion. Yeah. Well, especially because I feel like the competitive pole dance world is really headed in that direction. That it's interesting how sports evolve, you know, like you look at rhythmic gymnastics, who knows? I'm not, I don't know the history of that sport, but it obviously evolved to be all about extreme flexibility. I feel like pole is going that way. And maybe for no other reason than the fact that the women who have been pioneers of this sport have been flexible and have decided to take it in that direction. Yeah, especially if you want to be competitive in it, it's it's yeah. necessary. So Absolutely. You have to. If you're a competitive pole dancer these days, you have to train contortion. Yeah, very cool. And so um, you professionally are a fashion designer. Yes. And I am. so you are becoming very well known and highly regarded in the pole industry for the costumes you make for pole performances. And we've been speaking to costume, especially we had Brian Wolf on a few weeks ago. 
love him. I know you've designed for him. And yes. we were just speaking about how important costume is in a in a pole production, whether it be a competition piece or it be an entertainment piece. And that's why I thought, wow, Kelly would be the perfect person to talk to because your costumes are above and beyond. Um, I'm going to put your website in the show notes so people can go and drool. Oh, thank you. Yeah. So what, how did you make that connection? Did you always do costumes or did you evolve into that once you entered the pool community? Actually, I've been designing dance costumes for many, many years. So that was my profession long before a pole even entered into my head as a possibility. I, I have a company called Triple Thread Dancewear, which is where we're, we're, I'm talking to you from our offices in Anaheim right now. That company has been around for a really long time. And I've been selling dance costumes to, um, you know, mostly young girls and teenagers and, and at the very oldest, you know, college age dancers. So it's a very different market than pole dance. But as soon as I started pole dancing, I immediately thought, oh, wow, there's a there's an absolute void in this marketplace right now. There's nobody making costumes for pole dancers. There's plenty of stripper wear, which, again, all that stuff's great, too. It's super sexy. But as the pole dance community evolved into more and more doing more shows and competitions, there was a huge need that I immediately saw that you either had your choice of going and buying a bikini on Hollywood Boulevard or making your own costume. So I just jumped right in and said, Hey, I've been a dancewear designer for years. Let me help. And that's how that started. See how that works. Combining Mm -hmm. passions is so, it's so nice when it works out like that. Right. Right. And so what are some of the, the shows you've, and some of the dancers that you've designed for? Well, it's very interesting. I feel like my career in the pole dance community has been very charmed because I started right off the bat. My One of my very, very first clients was Natasha Wong. And you could not get a better <laughs> client. And she was very early in her career at the time. I designed her her very first competition pole costume. And then from then, she's just been a regular client since then. And my also my first show was Pole Show LA. So it was the very, very first Pole Show LA that really launched me as a pole designer. Since a lot of people tune into that show via live stream, I, I, I remember going to pole convention that same year and people stopping me at pole convention saying, oh, you did those costumes for Pole Show LA. So it was a really big boost for me to do work with Natasha and also Pole Show LA within months of each other. And I launched my career that way. Wow. Yeah. For those who don't live in Los Angeles or don't know what it is, Pole Show LA is a show put on by Leanne Riley. And it is like a performance, an entertaining evening. Um, And the first time I went to that show when I first started pole dancing and I didn't really know anything about the pole dance world or even who now the fact that I didn't know who these dancers were at the time is, is kind of funny, but what stood out to me were those costumes. And that's, I was asking my friends, like, would you, how do you get these costumes? And they explained, Oh, Kelly Maglia, she does all of them. And they are above and beyond like dripping with pearls or spikes and colorful and layers and um, just a lot of effort. And um, I can tell that creativity and time go into these pieces. So yes, definitely. 
Leanne always gives me a good platform to showcase what I can do. She always comes to me with a lot of crazy ideas. And I, when I say crazy, I mean that in the best way. It's not good if it's not crazy. And she comes to me with that, and it's great. And every year we're always like – Oh, how are we going to do this? And then every year we do it. <laughs> so. You got to top it. I know I've seen like feathers coming out of hats and just layers yeah. and layers of different fabrics and colors and textures. And it's gorgeous. It enhances the already beautiful performance pieces. Thank you. Yeah, but I'm assuming that's good. that would be a challenge though too. How is pole different than designing for other um, dance, uh, right? Because yeah. <laughs> that's a challenge there. There's different requirements. Oh, I always say that the pole eats costumes for lunch. It <laughs> is just been a challenge from the beginning. It's one thing designed for a regular dancer, which, as I've said, that was my experience for many years, where that dancer's on the ground. And the worst thing we have to worry about is if we put some beads on the skirt and they lay on the beads and break the beads. With pole, it's <laughs> A pole will break everything. Everything will come off. Everything will fall off. So the challenge as a designer has been how, oh, and of course we have to have our skin sticking to the pole. So I don't have very much to work with. You know, the dancer needs to be as exposed as possible in order to just even stick to the pole. So the challenge as a designer is always, I have this much fabric to work with. (laughs) How do I make that look cool? And I've consistently tried to push the envelope and tried to put more and more and more on the costumes which also then challenges the dancer as well to have to work with. I have all this stuff on me. How am I still going to be able to hit all my tricks? And we always find the right balance. Yeah, it's definitely a collaboration, I assume, there going back and yes. forth. More so than any other uh, you know, type of costuming I've ever done. It really is, especially for my, my soloists that I work with and my competition dancers. It really is a collaboration between us. Yeah. Well, the, and speaking more about the sticking to the pole. Um, I guess that was probably your inspiration for your new pole line. You have launched just recently, just a few weeks ago, I think. Um, it's called Get a Grip. It's yep. a pole dance c- collection of what is the material. So it's made so that you can cover up more of your body, say wearing leggings or high-waisted bottoms, but you're not going to slip off the pole. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, it's a fabric that's been around for a long time, but it took them a while to perfect it. It's a four-way stretch vinyl. And when this fabric first came out years ago, it was terrible. It didn't stretch very well. It looked cool, but it didn't stretch very well. It wasn't very durable. And I just, this is so random. I noticed recently in the last year that they'd made big improvements in the way that they coat the spandex. Now all this is done overseas. Unfortunately, there are very few fabric mills left in the United States. And I I wish that were not the case, but all of this is happening overseas and and, in big fabric producing places like China. And I noticed that my vendor started carrying this higher quality vinyl. And because I'm the, I'm the type of person, I train almost primarily in Chinese pole now. So if anybody doesn't know what Chinese no. pole is, it's it's definitely, it's comes it's used to be more of a male discipline and it comes from the Chinese circus. Nowadays, it's become co-opted by regular pole dancers, have borrowed a lot of Chinese pole dance moves. And a lot of men, for example, who were doing exclusive Chinese pole have 
borrowed from the pole dance community and the whole thing is becoming really enmeshed, which I think is great. But I do train on the pole at Cirque School, which is coated with rubber. And so it's incredibly grippy and you have to wear pants. You have to be fully clothed or else it really hurts your skin. I transitioned into that type of pole for so many reasons. I, I don't, I don't like being naked. I sweat a lot. I like my leggings. I like to feel covered up and like I don't have to worry if things are hanging out in weird ways or if my skin is not is going to be slippery today. I just got tired of fighting the apparatus. And I'd had a couple of performances that where the poles were super slick and it just it scared me and I remember I had to change my routine on the fly and take out some of my uh, strength tricks that required that 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 needed stick in order to to work. And I just thought there's got to be a better way. There's got to be a way not to always be fighting the apparatus. But until the fabric technology caught up there, I didn't see any other way until very recently. That's crazy. So you make these stretch vinyl, you are making pants, you have high-waisted bottoms, you have like sporty bralettes, Mm -hmm. and they are in Black, red, and white. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and some leopard, but and the leopard pepper. stuff is not grippy. Okay. They haven't made the grippy leopard yet, but I'm going to figure out a way. <laughs> <laughs> Make that happen. And because yes. I wanted to do my research before we spoke, I have a pair. I ordered a pair, um, and I tried them out, and they're great. Yeah, they. I like high-waisted bottoms, personally. I know a lot of people like pulling I, in leggings, a la uh, Sasha Lee. Mm-hmm. <laughs> But I would yes, fall yes. right off. Um, so it was it was really helpful on the pole, and awesome. you know it that you also bring up a great point that you you we are fighting the apparatus a lot, and I think that that needs to go to the people who are developing the pole for new because they they especially the ones at studios that I know we use here in the U.S. A, they're a little fatter than elsewhere in the world, so right. you need to have a stronger grip. But also, they strip so easily. Um, yep. They wear down. So I also have had the opportunity a few times to dance on a brass pole, and I mm-hmm. prefer those so much more. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. I've never tried that. Okay. Yeah, I find them a bit more grippy. I don't know. I'm, I'm not really well-versed in this, but that's just my personal experience. But you do bring up a great point that um, as we evolve and it it sounds like you really enjoy doing tricks and things like that and probably twisting your body in weird shapes while putting yourself on the pole, they do need to develop the technology with the the pole itself because fact is you are being active. You are going to be sweating a little bit and the grips help, but... Yeah, it, and I think it's it's sweat, it's it's atmospheric. You know, sometimes if they have dry ice on the stage, it's it's humid. The pole gets misty. Yeah. Now, Expo has responded to that. I don't know if you've seen the silicone poles. No, I haven't. I I have used the Expo silicone pole, and I, it it mimics. It's very much like the Chinese pole. It's not rubber coating. It's okay. silicone coating and it's for this exact reason the only difficulty with the silicone pole is it makes spins difficult because it's really hard on your hand the friction Uh, on your hand is tough so if you're a dancer that does a lot of spinning around the pole the silicone pole is tricky but since I again I was training mostly in Chinese pole or really blend it's not a lot of the moves I do are not traditional Chinese pole but kind of blending Mm -hmm. um very athletic strength 
strength holds on the pole, to me, it was the only way to go. I don't want to have to worry if today the pole is going to be slippery. So I, I was either using the silicone pole or then developed this new line, uh, partially out of selfishness for myself, uh-huh. that I to be able to walk into a place because, let's face it, the silicone pole is not standard. The, the regular poles are still standard. I wanted to be able to get on that pole and feel the same grippiness and security that I feel on a Chinese pole. Yeah, and kudos to Expo for developing that. Yes. And so, sorry to backtrack. So, mm-hmm. Chinese pool is um, kind of what we see online sometimes where it's like the men doing really crazy shit on. Yes, yes. Not it's, So, it's not really a, what contemporary pool of today is derivative of, which is more right. strip club. This is more of like an athletic thing, but it sounds like it's what you're doing at your contortion studio that has this apparatus, this, this grippy um, apparatus is mixing the two of them together, which is really fascinating. Absolutely. I mean, it's not just me. It's It's been happening yeah. for a while. For the last couple of years, I would say there's been a nice overlap between, especially you'll, you'll see it in the male pole dancers okay. these days. A lot of them uh, have come from, or not a lot, but some have come from the Chinese pole background, but they can't help but be influenced by what's happening in dance pole yeah. as well. And the same thing with the women. The women coming from a dance pole background have been really wowed by the athletic tricks of Chinese pole. And they've, like I know Natasha, again, is another one who did train some Chinese pole moves or Margarita, you know, they, yeah. they, they incorporate right. all of these into their uh, regular pole, I guess, for <laughs> lack of a better term. Yeah, cross-training. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And so, yeah, so that's great. The Get a Grip collection is kind of a, a good way to transition if you prefer that more sticky style of pull. Right. Because truth is, you you probably miss the pull, the regular pull studio when you want that that option as well to be able to just like go and get sexy with Sure. Sure. And I'm happy to do that too. I just, you know, I just feel like it's nice to have options, yes. you know, and it's not even yes, just about yes, yes. the grip. It's also for me about the modesty. You know, I developed mm. get a grip for those two reasons. The, the grippiness is nice, but for me, it's also modesty because, you know, I just sometimes just don't want to be in the shorts. Just yeah. don't. <laughs> don't want to be staring at myself in the mirror wondering if like, Oh, shouldn't have had the burrito. You know, that's just not, yes, <laughs> not where I want to go. You're more confident when you feel comfortable, you're more confident yeah. and you don't want to be yeah. distracted by not because I've had that too, where I'm like, I don't like what I'm wearing. I feel really I when I purchased the the red shorts, I was telling you, it's like, I like the high waisted because mm-hmm. I feel more comfortable without my stomach exposed. And that's just a personal right. choice. And right. so you right. don't want to be distracted by that. You just want to find something that's yes. comfortable for you and then just concentrate on your dancing. Exactly, exactly. And that's, and that's, I think, one of the main reasons I, I ended up just training at Cirque School is because there's no mirrors, and the pole is grippy, and so I'm fully clothed. And so I'm not distracted by how do I look today. And for me, that was a big thing, you know, and I, I know every woman is different. But to me, it has to be all about the feeling the music and feeling the pole moves and, and training the athleticism of it and not really worrying about how I look. Yeah, though, let's not 
for let's not have anyone misunderstand you like to be out there you like to to perform and you oh, like yeah. to put on a show so do you yes. not think kelly is some shrinking violet that just likes to like <laughs> do pull in, in a in a corner with no one looking because right you are a a creative master it seems in how else can you incorporate things that you like all together in, in, in these yes. passion projects, these passion yes. career really for you, because um, for those who don't know, Kelly is also a rock and roll singer. She mm-hmm. just released an EP. And I want to read something to everyone that I read on your site that like gave me chills. So um, this is from Kelly's site. It says, I decided it was time to put those latent bachelor degrees in classical voice and English literature to good use. Add that to my newly found love of artistic pole dancing and a new archetype is born. If Motley Crue had to throw dollar bills at girls, 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 I was becoming a guitar wielding singer and pole dancer, a new kind of heavy metal goddess. And not unlike a phoenix rising from the pillar of my responsible adult life, I found both my voice and my wings. Yeah. I love that because, you know, obviously how you spoke to pole dancing being your wings, like, mm-hmm. yeah. it's brilliant. I love that. So, Thank you. Um, and and you, do, you do combine the pole dancing with your music because you yep. perf- when you are on the stage, you have pole dancers performing, you perform, mm-hmm. you do mm-hmm. all of this. So let's talk about first your new EP. Congratulations. What's Thank it you. Called? How can we find it? What's the style? It, okay, it's called Just Enough Rough. And I like to say it's modern hair metal. I, <laughs> I always was a big fan of Motley Crue and Skit Row, Hart, Pat Benatar. I love that these people could sing <laughs> and play their instruments. What a concept. <laughs> I feel like it's something we've lost a little bit in this electronic age. So it's, I like to call it modern hair metal. I, it's, I'm very much inspired by the music of the late 80s, early 90s. But we've taken it into the 21st century. And you can find it on um, iTunes, Spotify, Apple Music, my website. You can stream it on my website. And I do have my first music videos up on YouTube. And that is the title track, Just Enough Rough. Awesome. And so when you perform, you, of course, duh, have like amazing costume. That is your specialty, obviously. Yes. And you also yes. incorporate pull. So I know that, um, I don't know if you always do it, but when I've seen you, you there has been a stage show with mm-hmm. your performances. Is that how, and you did at the Whiskey A Go-Go, a classic bar here on the Sunset mm-hmm. Strip. You had mm-hmm. pole dancers come and perform your, right? Who were some yes, of the dancers? Did. It was Adrian Strauss. I had Shane Evans, Sienna Spaulding, and Amanda Abbott. Amazing. Yeah, they came out, they danced on a pole on the stage while you were rocking mm-hmm. out. You also yep. performed at Pole Expo. Mm-hmm. And you came out doing crazy contortion and, um, again, amazing costume. As you are now, I know that you plan to do some touring and Mm -hmm. things like this. Do you plan on incorporating dance or contortion or pole in your stage show? 
Absolutely. There's really no other way to do it. I, I actually started my performing career with a company that I started called Kelly Maglia Vertical Theater, which was made use of my musical theater background. So we started by doing these shows that were a little bit more musical theater in nature. And so I developed that company first. And I feel like I can't I can't step back now. Like I can't just be, go be a rock band. And no, I don't want to. I feel like, <laughs> you know, this is part of who I am and it's part of my, uh, my company and my vision. So yes, I am in the process of developing a new show right now that will have dance, pole dancers and contortionists as well as my awesome band. This sounds so fun. <laughs> we have to, so if you're not following Kelly on social media, already now you have to because you will announce on that when you start touring because that sounds yes. like a show that uh we can't miss and as pole dancers you know we want to support mm-hmm. yes the pole community has been so good to me i have to say i they came out to support all the vertical theater shows in los angeles and but the biggest thing that really warmed my heart when we did the show at the whiskey go go last year it was the battle of the bands we were competing for a prize and i knew that we need to have people there or no one was going to take us seriously they gave me the 1:20 a.m. slot on a Tuesday night because of the poll and it's understandable yeah, i mean we had to set up the poll i mean it makes sense we were the last people on i thought no one is going to show up at 1.20 in the morning on a Tuesday. And guess what? They did. I looked down the audience. It was all my pole girls. I I was so moved. I, I can't even explain how loyal this pole community has been and how good they have been to me. Oh, that's so great to hear. You deserve it because you do a lot for them as well. Thank you. Yeah. What has, has there been a response from people who are seeing this that are from outside the pole community? What are, what has their response been? You know what, especially when I was doing the vertical theater stuff, I was overwhelmed with the positive response. We would have people come in and I even, I'm talking about even my family, which, you know, I guess they're biased a little bit, but I'm talking (laughs) about extended cousins and, you know, I have a large family. So people coming in, having no idea what pole dancing is, even my parents, you know, I thought I, I kind of thought they were going to freak out when I told them (laughs) that I was doing pole dancing and not only did they not freak out, the people coming to the shows of all ages where we had little kids all the way up to senior citizens at the show would come up to me and say, I've never seen anything like that. That was so cool to see pole dancing as this artistic, beautiful circusy type of thing. And I think people are initially drawn in by the idea, Ooh, there's going to be pole dancing at this show at a theater. Ooh, what is that? What is that? They're initially not sure. And then when they see it, they're really overwhelmed by it. But I have also had the opposite. I've had the opposite reaction too, especially a little bit in the uh, rock and roll community, because I do think that there is still, you know, I bring, we bring up, you brought up my quote about Motley Crue. There's such a, a, a history, especially of hair metal bands being associated with strippers and strip clubs. So it's been a little bit of a harder sell for me, especially as a female front woman to come out and, and be like, yeah, and I'm going to get on the pole and I'm not a stripper. (laughs) And and I think there's a little bit of like, for the most part, it's been very, very well received, but there's still a few of those holdout guys out there that are a bit like, well, that stripper stuff. And again, not that there's anything I'm not opposed to strippers or stripping or any of that sexy style. It's just a little bit different than what I do. 
Yeah, no, you want to be correctly identified. And mm-hmm. um, but I love that you're out there breaking stereotypes. Right. You know, it's right. a, it's a different time. And um, it just because you're dancing on a pole doesn't mean that you don't deserve respect. You know, you have to. Right. Right. And again, it's that. been very rare. It's yeah. been very, it's been like this much of, <laughs> of the reaction. And like I said, I only saw it, you know, sometimes in, in rock and in the rock and roll community, there's a little bit of, you know, the old it's a little muchissimo. It is. It is. <laughs> It is. And I don't look like a typical stripper either. I think that's the other thing, you know, you know, I am not a hundred pounds on a pole and I come out there and I'm curvy and I own it and I'm strong and I can do it. And I still think for, for most people, for 90% of the people out there, it's cool and it's interesting, but I'll get every once in a while, you know, some people that don't get, are like, what what is she doing? Oh yeah. There's a lot of closed minded people in this world, but you know, that's, doesn't mean that you know, you need to take their opinions to heart, but it's great because the way you're doing it is you are presenting all of your passions, fashion, Mm -hmm. music, dance. You've combined it all into this like Kelly Maglia empire type thing where you can create it, (laughs) where you can present it all in one place. And so I don't know of many, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head that does all of that, that that's doing it all. So when you put something creatively out there, you can own it a hundred percent. And your voice is very clear to me. You are, you know, a rock and roller. You like things that are a bit um, maximalist, as I call it. Oh, like yeah. Over the top, more is more, less is a bore. <laughs> That's it. That's me in a nutshell. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. Fun. Yes. Fun. It's not, it's not worth it if it's not fun. Yeah. I love that. And so, and it resonates with people and um, I'm so happy that you've been able to combine all these things and that you're feeling the love and the support from the pool community. Yes. Hugely. I'm so grateful. Yeah. And it's um, again, we speak about this a lot, but it's things like this that bring the awareness of pull into popular culture and will right. help us be respected and understood more. So good mm, for you. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. And so um, let's head into the, the standard questions that I ask everyone. Okay. Because I'm super curious. Who is Kelly Maglia's pole crush? Well, I have two. On the male side, I've always been a huge fan of Timber Brown. He was my first uh, Chinese pole teacher, and he is just a phenomenal athlete and artist. He's I, I've hired him to work in my vertical theater shows before. He was a big standout in the last show, Once Upon a Pole. And I've just really admired how he combines crazy athleticism with beautiful artistry, Timber knows how to strike a pose and let you absorb what you just saw, as opposed to, I think the trend these days in polls is to just keep moving at all costs. Yeah. And and Timber has been somebody who just knows how to do something nuts. And then he'll look at you in the audience and let you absorb what he just did. It's amazing. It, it's a wonderful blend of athleticism and artistry and performance skill. So that's on the male end. On the female end, I've always loved Marlo Fiskin from the first day I saw her. I've also hired her as well <laughs> to be in my vertical theater shows because she's such a magnificent dancer first before she ever started doing pole. You know, she comes from a dance background and her lines are 
are so liquid and fluid and she's so strong and so flexible and very innovative in the movements that she comes up with. Yes, I agree. I actually have never honestly heard of the the first gentleman, so I'm excited to look him up. I always love learning about new people. Yes. He comes from the circus background, which is why you may have not come across him before. Mm. He's come from Chinese pole. But now, again, like a lot of other guys, he's he's adopted some of the dance pole vocabulary as well. Yeah, he sounds like a has very good showmanship. That's Oh yeah. Yeah. I, I love that. I get really overwhelmed when I'm watching a performance and it's trick 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 and I'm like, I don't even know what was good out of that cuz exactly. you didn't give me a moment to respond. So he exactly. sounds like he's a real professional. <laughs> Absolutely is. Yes. Cool. I can't wait to check him out. Mm-hmm. And so how would you like to see the pole community evolve over the next 5 years? Well, I think it's already it's already there. I think I would just like to see it bigger, more in the mainstream. You know, I feel like, well, I think that, and because competitions have become such a huge part of the pole community, I do think we're going to need to, at some point, have some sort of agreement about what the competition means and what the judging standards are. I do think that's kind of a big whole right now. The the competitions are so different and so varied and that's okay. You know, some are more theatrically oriented, which is great as long as they're built that way and the dancers know what to, what to prepare and the judging standards accurately reflect how the competition is built. That's kind of the biggest thing that I've seen in the pole community is that a competition is built one way, but then judged another way. Mm -hmm. So I think there needs to potentially be some sort of governing body, which I almost hate to say, like, you know, you look at gymnastics, there's definitely a a governing body there. In some ways, I hate to say that because what's so wonderful about pole is the kind of wild westness of it, Mm -hmm. that kind of anything goes and we're in this hugely exploratory phase of what is a new ish art form. So I hate to clamp down on it, but I also think if we're going to go the route of sport and competition, we need to be professional. We need to have some kind of standards uh, for competitions and judging criteria that, that the artists can understand so they can put their best foot forward. Yeah. Transparency. Yes. Stick, you yes. know, cause I've, I've never done a competition. I will never do a competition. It's not my right. thing, but Neither. I have lots of friends, <laughs> but you know, yeah. you design for competitions, you know, Absolutely. so even you need to know, are, are they going to lose points if you mm-hmm. design something that's not within, you know, regulation or are you really creatively stifling yourself by designing around some rule that they're not going to enforce? Exactly. And that's always the question. I mean, I have to say, I think the competitions are usually pretty good about they're they're really clear about what what they will accept and won't accept for costume. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to judging the dancer themselves, I know so many dancers, most of my friends and colleagues do compete. Mm -hmm. And so often they have been so frustrated by being told that this is, you know, how we're going to judge the competition. And then actually, oh, oops, just kidding, because nobody sat the judges down and said, this is what you're judging on. Here's the criteria. You know, yeah. this is what the dancers were given. But costume, they seem to be pretty clear. Okay. I, so far, I haven't had any issues with that. Oh, good. <laughs> so we'll see. That's at least one thing's under control. Yeah, I completely yes. respect that. It's, you know, artistic dance is very difficult to standardize. You know, judges are human. And so, you know, yeah. I think of ice skating and you kind of know exactly what, is allowed and still the judges 
numbers are always going to be different because there's that human element. And so I almost think I have this theory that if you want to do a competition, I understand the need to get titles and I understand the need to enter these competitions in order to uh, be able to progress your career and to be able Mm -hmm. to then tour and, you know, Right. Enhance your career. But there also has to be this understanding if you're going into a competition, especially if you're going in at like a lower level, that you have to do it for you because yeah. it's just it, right. ultimately it is not fair sometimes. But that's right. because that's true. It's the nature of a competition and it stinks. But you want to come out of there with the piece that you're proud of and can stand behind rather than having watered down something or adjusted something that it wasn't really speaking to you because you were trying to win points. You're, you're yeah. absolutely right. And you bring up a really good point. I think you're absolutely right. Cause I've been a judge at competitions. And it's, oh, something that I've, it's tough because, and you don't even realize you're doing it. Like I bring it to the table, a ballet and a theater background. So when I'm watching a pole dancer as a judge, I'm going to primarily be looking for those things did they tell a story, even if it wasn't a clear story, were they presenting, you know, were they performing for the audience or were they just throwing tricks? So to me, that's going to win out over somebody who might be an awesome trickster, but I don't really care. I want to see somebody put together a performance and point their toes and Mm -hmm. show some kind of grace. But the judge sitting next, this happened to me, the judge sitting next to me had exactly the opposite opinion of the same dancer. And so again, in absence of any sort of rubric, you know, we weren't given any guideline like, well, judge this, this or this, other than if they fall off the apparatus, it was like, take off so many points or if the costume falls off, take off so many points. But other than that, that's a huge gap. So I might put that dancer lower and this judge over here is putting that dancer higher So my point is to reiterate what you're seeing is that no matter what, even if there were judging standards, at the end of the day, what I see versus what this judge sees is completely subjective and based on our own experience. Yeah, you're no, you're completely right. And that's interesting to hear it from a judge's perspective and for you to be able to confirm that. You know, Mm -hmm. I don't know the answer and I'm glad that it's not my problem to take on. (laughs) Right, right. Absolutely. But it's someone's, and so at least right. the conversations out there, and so good for yes. uh, you know, applaud everyone who's involved in 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 those arenas and who are taking it on or who are putting themselves out there or volunteer. It's volunteer judges too, you know. So it's not yep. like it's some trained council of <laughs> right, exactly <laughs> of people that exactly you know. So. That's okay. That's a good way. Yes. That's a good thought on, on how to evolve in a positive way. Mm-hmm. I like it. Yeah. And so um, do you have anything coming up that you want to share with our audience? Yes. So this weekend, I just got invited to work with this amazing artist named Toledo Diamond. Again, in the LA area, people may know him. He does a, a show every Sunday in Santa Monica at Harvell's called The Toledo Show. He does also a private show at the Petite Hermitage Hotel in West Hollywood, which I'm going to be a part of. This is like one of the most amazing things I've ever seen. This guy, they bring in like an eight-piece band into this little gypsy room and create this improvised music. It feels like a, a voodoo seance. I, I, I can 
can only explain oh, wow. it that way. And so he's invited me to perform pole and improvise some vocals as well, which is going to be a really new experience for me, especially in a style of music that I don't normally do. So I'm doing that on Friday. And then Saturday, he invited me to come down and perform at his Long Beach show. I'm going to be doing a pole set there again, completely improvised never heard the music before but he's such an amazing artist that I, I couldn't not do it and then I'm also in the process of creating a new headlining show as well again complete with pole dancers and contortionists costumes and my band okay so for the first two this podcast will not be out by then so unfortunately <laughs> but I like that you teased us because I'm <laughs> assuming that if it goes well there'll be other opportunities absolutely okay. absolutely this is my first time with toledo so we'll see how it goes what's the name of his show the to- the sunday night show is called the toledo show i'm the not toledo in that show. one but that's that's the regular one in los angeles in long beach he does one called circus of sin on oh. saturday nights that's i will be in that one. Oh, that's one that's one better. <laughs> oh yeah i think i think there's a whole fetish aspect to it too so my my vinyl costuming is gonna yeah. be very very appropriate and then again i'm new i, I haven't done it yet and he's very much about letting you live in the moment so i don't have any <laughs> so I'm going to show up and just do my thing. And then Friday night, there's no name for it. It's just his the jam that they do at the Petite Hermitage Hotel. Okay. Well, please post pictures and uh, video if you can on social media so we can all go back and take a look. And then because it sounds so enticing, I yeah. hope that this is a collaboration that happens again in the future so our audience can come check it out. And do you have a name of the show you're working on yet or not really? No, it's actually going to be, no, because it'll be, yes, that's the idea. I'm in talks with a venue right now where I would be the headline act. And I also have been talks. I have a record label I've been talking to as well. So I'm trying to put this together so that I can bring the record people and, you know, my pole girls and, you know, a lot of my new rock and roll fans into one venue to see what I can really do. Uh, to show what I can really do. Yes, I can't wait to see this as well. (laughs) (laughs) And so on that note, can you leave us with um, an empowering message or quote or anecdote or something to sign off with? Yeah, you know, the thing that I just always say to people more than anything is like, like the quote that you read from my website, mm-hmm. you know, the, 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 Chills. my, my, my responsible adult life, you know, I did that. I did that. I'm doing it. I'm still doing it. I have a business where, like I said, we're here at my office. I do that. But there came a point in my life where I realized that all of that doesn't matter that all uh, that what you have to do is you have to listen to what your heart is whispering to you and it might start as a whisper and then it gets louder and louder and louder if you ignore it beware the consequences <laughs> going for it is the only way to live and yeah you are proof of that mm-hmm. you really live in your creativity and your passion and I'm so yes. happy that you represent the community because you bring a lot of fun and artistic value and opportunity breaking yes. molds oh, for, for yep. people. So good yes, for you. Thank you. Oh, thank no. Thank you. And thank you so much for being on the podcast. This has been really fun talking with you. I've loved every second of it. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. Bye. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Pole Parlor Podcast. Want more? Visit poleparlor.com for show notes and to link to the Facebook group where you can connect with other poleaholics and continue the conversation. Listen to past episodes and subscribe to new episodes on the website, 
YouTube, iTunes, Stitcher, or SoundCloud. Lots of love, babes. Thanks for listening. 